Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Welcome to episode 40 of the Coach Fury Podcast. It's our big 4-0. And thank you for listening and being a part of this. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Keep listening. I'm very excited. Thank you for taking the time. If you have been listening to this show, thank you so much. It's continuing to grow. I have a blast doing it every, every episode. Uh... I get more emotionally attached to this show, and it means the world to me. So thank you so much for being a part of it. Today's guest for the Big 4-0 is my old friend, Glenna Lampner. She's got a lot to share. We talked about um, training women, training an aging population, going through certifications, going through certifications as part of the aging population, uh, and a whole lot more. So I'm very excited for you to hear that chat. But before we get into that, let's go over some things that are in the world of Fury. We have officially kicked off our fourth month of small group classes at Fury Industries. That is Gowanus Brooklyn's Speakeasy of Strength. Folks, small group training, five people or less. Kettlebells, ultimate sandbags, original strength, programmed and taught by yours truly. So please, it's also, it's in my home. So you get to look at the Godzilla wall and you get to hear my goofy soundtracks, lots of heavy music, not the traditional gym stuff. So please join us for that. I also offer personal training and online coaching. So if you want any information on that, head over to coachfury.com. At that website, you can also find all episodes of this podcast, any blogs or announcements that I might share. They're all at coachfury.com, including courses. Let's go over some courses I have coming up. The HKC One Day Kettlebell Certification hits Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery, MFF Bowery, on Sunday, July 15th. Let's go deep into learning how to perform and execute and coach the kettlebell swing goblet squat, and get up. This is a new one. I'm really excited. We're bringing DVRT to South Brooklyn, Brooklyn Health and Performance. Tommy, thank you for having us. We're having the DVRT four-hour workshop on Sunday, August 12th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. This is only $99 at the launch price, and if you decide later to take a certification, the entire price of the workshop gets applied to that certification. So come on down for that. There's going to be extra discounts on Ultimate Sandbags. I'm very excited. This one's real close to home, and it's a great spot. Speaking of DVRT and great facilities, MSE Strength, we're bringing DVRT back. We had such a successful workshop. We're bringing the level one and level two certifications down there to Weymouth, Mass on September 22nd and 23rd. Folks, don't miss out on these opportunities. More to come. All right, that's enough of me shilling the world of fury. I hope to see you in class, in coaching, in a course somewhere. But you're listening to the podcast. Let's get to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 40 with Glenna Lampner. I'm happy to be here. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk with you in a more private setting, open for public consumption. <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody, say hi to Glenna Lampner, episode 40, Coach Fury Podcast. Uh, Glenna, what's going on? So, uh, Glenna, I have known each other for probably uh, four years now, right? Like That's it, yeah. And... No, I, it may even be more than that. Yeah, no, it's about four, years, four or five years. Yeah. I feel like, oh, it has to be longer than that. Yeah, so anyway, let, let's take a step back. So I met Glenna. Glenna came to train for me for her SFG2. Was that correct? SFG1. SFG1 was the first one. Yeah. And uh, my, my, my friend and founder of Strength Faction, Mike Connolly, introduced, uh, uh, introduced us, sent her my way. 
And uh, Glenn is now also a member of Strength Faction. Yeah, I love so it. Let's just take a moment in real crisp detail. What was it like the first time you met me? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do want to share this. So let's let's let, let, let's let's talk about what impressed me out about Glenna right out the gate. So Glenna comes to prep for her SFG one, and what? Are we, how many weeks did we have to train for that? Not a lot of weeks. Like I want to say it was like under four. It might have been more than four, but it was that was it couldn't have been a lot more than four. Like four and a half been. weeks. Yeah. Um. And what was that like, the training process? Because you, 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 you crushed it. I, for me, well, also, keep in mind, that was the first time that I, as a trainer, was working with another trainer. I mean, I had taken classes. I knew Mike and Ryan. But I never, like, scheduled time for me to be with a trainer. So that was kind of awesome, too, to be on the other side of a thing that you've been doing forever and just seeing what that, you know, knowing what that's like as, you know, being in that awkward moment where you have to confess all the stuff that you don't know <laughs> to somebody. And they're like, sure, you know everything. You're just going to, you're going to kill this. And um, you were very, very good. You were very like, you know, no panic. <laughs> Even though I think at that point, I, my clean was basically a little better than a cheat curl. <laughs> For, for, for level one skills, the clean was always the thing. And then just just some overall press strength. Those were the two things. Yeah. You had a, um, we did a lot of work on your getup, actually. You always had a good getup, but we did a lot of work on the final polishing of that as they started to get heavier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I had, at that point, I, I always shied away from going any kind of heavy. And I think your your approach was, which was really valuable, is, well, let's train these things heavy so that when you walk into that cert, you're not overwhelmed. And that really helped. That really helped. You know, it, it, it's over the years, and now that I get to teach, like at that point I was doing a lot of assisting work for um, Strong First, but I was not involved in RKC leadership, but I was doing some assistant work for the, for the RKC still at that time. But over the years now, as I get to teach them, you see how people crush them and how people really struggle and a lot of the nerve, the, the higher level nerves. So, for example, uh, in the RKC, if you're, um, you know, under 50 male at a certain weight, 53 pound, 24K kettlebell, you have to press it four times and then you have the snatch test, right? But like, let's just even snatch test. Some people just kind of suck at that kind of uh, conditioning element that becomes something different. But if we just strip to the four presses per side, you know, some people come in and they think, you know, they might have like five or six reps as like a max count rep within their prep. Now, for some people, that's just simply an indicator of they, the, the, the workshop date was predetermined to be on X date. They're at this level of strength when they sign up, and this is just the best they can do. Right. But I think a lot of people train just to the bare minimum of what the testing pass thing is. So it was like, well, all right, well, I have I already have maybe three presses, so I just need to get one more. And I'm like, no, you should actually... If you can go into it with 10, 24K presses per side, and I don't mean like crush yourself in insane levels of volume through training every day, but I mean like confidently go in. And I've got, you know, if, I don't mean me personally, but like if you've got 10, 24K presses per side, guess what's going to be really easy that you're not going to worry about the whole weekend? The fatigue of your press. That's right. And uh, I sometimes will blame the half-size bells. Half size, we've talked about this on the show before. Half-size bells being um, 14, 18, 22, 26, 
they allow people to sort of inch towards something in a different way than pure ownership where, you know, so a 16K press got really easy. So we did them slower. So we stopped recleaning in between. So we added reps. Right. Um, even tactics where we, we shifted them further into the program. We're under some pre-fatigue. Now, I don't mean fatigue to failure, folks. I mean, like, it's not the first thing we do. Um, Glenna will know this. I like to train snatch tests for most people actually towards the end of their training day. Because guess what? When you train a snatch test, when you actually step to the line to test, you're going to be fatigued. There's pre-fatigue. It happens on day two for most people. So I like to consider those things. But that's outside of the normal. Like, I definitely do not try to train to fail. Um, I want the form to be on point, but we also have to acknowledge like during a snatch test that there's some dark places. Like when you watch people snatch test, it's very rare and it's a beautiful thing to see when someone has great form from rep one right. to rep a hundred. It is rare. Cause it's freaking hard. But if you can go in with the presses, you know, you have the presses, right? And that's the thing that I, I think those half, half size bells have helped, uh, especially I'm going to claim this. I think it's helped a lot of women uh, achieve iron maiden status because it's become uh, more programming options to get to that right, um, right. As, as opposed to having to do the bigger nine pound jumps. And that's not like a negative. Uh, but I think in regular training, when we're not looking for like a max lift PR type event, I think sometimes it's a hindrance. Um, I would rather somebody actually live with a 16 and then jump to a 20 than worry about the 18 for most things. They're great for like, especially if you're uh, not training, we're talking a little bit more on trainer land, not right. client land, client land, use them. Use what makes them feel successful. They want to try a heavier get up and the 18 is going to be there. 20 might be scary. Go for the 18. Right. Yeah. Well, also because this is a test and mm-hmm. I think you're, you're already anxious about the test when you walk. I, and I, I know I've said this to you before and I, and I, every people go into these certs with different attitudes. I, I have always gone in feeling like I'm so intimidated. These people look so strong. I, you know, I am not worthy. And, um, and the, and the one thing I've always had in every single one of those things is the snatch test, which is the one thing that the most, that most people who show up for these things do not. I mean, who are, if you're going to, if you're going to walk out of there without the piece of paper, most often it's, it's because they couldn't pass the snatch test. That was not the, that was never a problem for me. It was things like, right. Things like the press or having, um, and I always say this about you, an elegant clean so it doesn't look like the... <laughs> <laughs> because I, I do remember, so going back to that, it's, it's that, right, it's that training in, in, in the sense that you know that the weight that you're picking up in your hand is something that you've done before. Because you, I, I am very stressed out in, in, in a cert, right? So if, if, there, if I'm just anxious about doing it at all, that's going to, that's going to mess with me the whole weekend. Um, and, and, and that's a bigger drain than most people realize. And, and that's hit me on a, a, a several big occasions where I just didn't deliver the game day of a cert because whether it was just, I flew, I slept shitty, uh, the stress level of it, you know, um, that stuff does play a bigger impact and you can't really like, you can, you can't really predict how that's going to hit you when you show up. No. And quite frankly, just like the, the simple fact, like, you know, I can't, I've never had a bad team leader in any way, but like, you know, showing up with your team and having a team leader that maybe doesn't jive with your personality or an assistant that maybe you're aware of and don't like, like whatever little thing that might right. switch your focus, um, 
you know, it's almost like when you, somebody goes into the real world and like, I don't get a good vibe off of that person. Like some, like any one of those little things, getting partnered with somebody you don't like, like that happens not often. No, but, but yeah, every, it can. I, but I every mean, now and then you're like, hmm. And I, we're not going to name names on this, but I, I know you went to a cert with some people that were newer in leadership that may or may not have realized they were trying to prove themselves in some of the details as they were critiquing. Yeah. I think that's a really hard thing to do. Um, you know, uh, I don't mean just for you. I mean, even for the instructor where you're like, I, I have a title now and I, I need to express my um, authority and my awareness of everything. But we also have to remember like my, my, my what I'm looking at when you're coming through the first time it's very different than when you're reserting or assisting me yeah. the second time and, yeah. and whether that's a level one or a level two. So, you know, but, but you find out that you have somebody that's like uh, unnecessarily a hard ass and you're like, shit, it, it changes the whole weekend. Well, especially considering that you have a certain amount of performance anxiety going in, you, you, you know, like it's like, you know, you may be able to do three sets of five presses on any given training day but you're only going to do it at the cert once. Yeah. And for some reason that changes everything. I, I, I don't know why, but it changes everything. That's why I do think like, if you can get like that press, if you have the time to train for it, to have that press at like eight to 12 reps. And I know we've worked on vol in moderating volume and, you know, right. rep schemes for, for, you know, volume to just have it versus, you know, lower reps to create some more maximal strength. But I think that's where one of the things that a lot of people miss, especially with the overhead. And that's always somewhat surprising to me. I still get shocked a little bit when people struggle with their get-ups at snatch weight, or quite frankly, even like one bell over snatch weight. I just feel like if you're coming into uh, yeah, a three-day or two-day kettlebell cert, um, that should not really be a thing. Like most people should be probably pretty comfortable with two to three sizes over their weight. I know you were, cause you were like testing like a 10 or a 12, um, a 12 and, yeah. and I, but again, you had me for the longest time for the SFG too, you, which is interesting because now my, now it would be a 12, but at the, what, the time that I did my SFG too, it had to be a 16. And I think at that point, I, I was very uncomfortable with that weight. I felt like it was, which I know, I, you know, I mean, I know for some people that's like a joke, but for me, it was crushing me. I felt like this thing is just throwing me back down to the floor. So you had me pretty much, I think at one point you pushed me to a 20. Yeah, we PR'd at 20. You had several 18s. Now I'm also going to say this, this is how Glenna rolls. She's acting like it's all me. I'd be like, Glenna, you know, actually go lighter sometimes. And she'd be like, well, at home I did. I went for the 16 one for something <laughs> or something. Like she would, she would do reps on the higher things, but let's, 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 Glenna, do you mind if we mention your age? Uh, you don't have to say the age. No, no, no. I'm, I'm 61. 61. So, like, folks, like, one of the great things that I, I wanted to talk to Glenna about, and we haven't had much discussion, it was like, Glenna, it's time for us to chat. Let's make this happen. <laughs> you know, Glenna falls into the master category. Glenna holds her own. Uh, I, I might not say, like, on a maximal strength level with everybody, but generally speaking, holds her own with a lot of the regardless of age people in the room. Um, but also we've had many conversations in terms of like uh, criteria and are they appropriate based on yeah. certain categories, because, you know, if a master category hits 50 mm -hmm. and the next jump is 65, as I'm approaching my, you know, uh, I'm about to cross over into 46 in October. Right. So like rounding up towards 50, like I'm fe I, I feel it like an awareness of it, folks. I don't feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm 50. I'm actually 
<laughs> and where I'm at and how I feel coming into 50. But, you know, the difference when somebody is like 50 to 55, 58, you could still be pretty super healthy, health, healthy mobile, yes. vibrant. On the flip side of that, transitioning from 55 to 60, 65, people will make dramatic fall-offs. Like I know, you know, when I think of 65, I believe my grandmother, at least is my memory of my grandmother, she died at 65. And right. folks like she was sick on a bed with a, you know, a, a air machine, an O2 machine, you know, and she died in the classic way of slip and fall, broke her hip, died shortly after. Mm-hmm. That's like the next step up <laughs> for most age ranges at a kettlebell cert. Like, especially when you're dealing on like some certs, like the RKC has a generally lighter load and I, and I'm all for that. Um, right. I don't know what the criteria are for the other group, but you know, there's that. Um, that's not taken into consideration away. Now I'm not saying like everyone gets frail when they get old, but like we like to talk a big talk about strength, but sometimes like if you're not walking in somebody who's 55 shoes or 60 shoes or hitting 65 shoes, like you have no actual fucking frame of reference. I agree. I also, I also think, um, you know, just by the sheer numbers there, you know, I mean, this, this is not a good thing to say, but shit happens. So a 65 year old is going to have more injuries. I mean, you know, like we talk about falls. I mean, I know I have crashed my bike several times and landed on a wrist. This left, this left wrist doesn't doesn't work real good anymore and I'm at an age where we I, I I do what I can but rehabbing that is only going to get so good it's you know what I mean I, I I know that like our our bodies are not as resilient they're not so every every injury every you know that occurs you may not come back the way you know a full hundred percent good as good as new you're just you're probably not going to um that's an important that's an important consideration i think it's just it's it's the time you know the the wear and tear on the body basically there's just more of it as we age um and the body itself is is in, in fact less resilient as well so there's more shit that can happen the body's less resilient you know do you know just thinking about that um, it, 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 I do think it's an issue. I also think it's, um, I think also as we age, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think sometimes we talk about, um, how strong do I need to be, right? How, how strong do I need to be? Now, the truth is I like being strong, but is it, um, to do what I do, how strong do I need to be and still be able to be effective at what I do? Because I think I'd rather be effective and maybe a little less strong than being really strong and, you know, just spending my whole life trying to, to you know, kill that next weight. I, I love that you brought that up because I think that's been a big thing for me in two big instances of that. So this isn't a slam against an organization, but the last thing I did for Strong First was, the, was uh, assisting an SFG2 at the Dome and, 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 and Glenna was a, a participant at it on, on Tamer's team. And it was an amazing event. Like, I don't want to take, and, and Mike Connolly had helped organize that with John, John Ingham. It was like such an amazing high watermark, but there were instances of older people within my team, folks, if you're listening, I, I'm not trying to make you feel bad on this, 
but where like someone was getting nerve blocks to not feel pain, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, why, why are you even trying do to do that. this? What right. does the certification mean? But we still celebrate this perseverance towards it where it's like, actually, like this actually goes against everything we're saying in terms of what a person should do. That should be a, a straight up, refer them out. They shouldn't be here. <laughs> now, that said, and that to me, and for the other person that I have in my mind, it was more of a strength thing, like where these strength requirements and where the weights are based, once you hit over 50, over 60, I think that's a little too arbitrary. And I don't necessarily care how strong you are as long as you can demonstrate and teach. And that was actually one of the weird things that I didn't expect. I was having like the best time of my life, actually probably having the most fun hanging out with people. Um, and, but there was this like switch that started to go on in my head that I guess was already starting, but it, it was like at seeing certain situations happen with, with, with individuals there. And I'm like, you know what, you know what? And, and, I'm, folks, I, I've said this before. I'm always looking at myself as a perpetrator of this. I'm not finger pointing at other people. I know I let my ego get in the way of a lot. I, I think my heart was always in the right place, but I definitely was like stoked to be the guy that wrote an article on double 44K presses, right? Like not gonna lie. <laughs> an achievement I never thought I'd have. But what you start to see, and it's more and more on social media, is like the strongest person doing the heaviest lift doesn't necessarily, and often not, does not make them the best coach in the room. So you really have to go like, so uh, your mom is about to go to train with somebody. Do you want the most effective trainer that can clearly pick the safe exercises, the right corrections, modifications for those exercises, and it can speak very clearly? Or do you want the guy that's got like a 200-pound bent press? Right. You want, do you want a badass or do you, or, or do you want the best? And you can have both, but the maximal strength doesn't make you – um, the maximal coach. And that was a big eye opener to me when I, I realized I had this opportunity for Dragon Door. And I, I really, A, my relationship with John and Josh Hankin at the time, John Duquesne and Josh, and B, just an opportunity to teach and allow myself to remove myself from this ego. I'll go with, at, at the time, what I would have perceived, and maybe we still perceived as the underdog, and just teach. Share yeah. this information, remove some of this ego. I'm not going to let anybody get nerve blocks to my awareness to try to come into this thing. I don't even want, I just, there's got to be a redefining a life goal for that. Um, so that was the one thing. And then the second thing was when I found out I had, when I started tremoring last year with Graves disease, which is a little over a year ago now, like just over a year ago now. And suddenly I had no strength. So suddenly here I am, I'm like a pretty well-educated coach, right? Like, you know, I, I get to teach certifications, tons of workshops. Uh, I'm really proud. Like, um, if this house collapsed around me right now, I'd be very proud of how many people I was able to, I think, help. Um, but suddenly like, all right, so I've got all this knowledge, but I can't press a 28 right now because I have an actual health issue. So like you said, resiliency slows down. You have injuries on the chassis that stick with you. You know, like you can't always, at a certain point on a, you know, on a classic Jeep, you can't just hammer out, you know, a dent on the fucking body. <laughs> and now I actually have like a hormonal thing that's causing a neurological reaction. I'm tremoring, got no strength, can't do anything about it. You know what I mean? Right. It's short term, can't do anything about it. And we lose sight of that sometimes and the ego of strength training is everything. So when you mention how strong is strong enough, uh, you know, I will certainly put in like, you know, as, as we get older, hormonal issues, injury issues, life stress issues. Right. Um, uh, folks, I'm going to throw this out here. Sorry, Glenn. I don't mean to cut you off a lot. I know I'm on a rant. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this too. And, and, and this is something that's been came up recently folks. Like here's the deal about getting older, right? Um, 
in your 20s, you're finding yourself out at a certain age, you probably locked into your first career and you're going to try to make it there, right? So like, you know, say like 25 to 30, you're building. 30 to like 40, 38 tends to be like, hey, we bought our house, we got our apartment, we moved in together, we got married, we had our first kid. And I hate to say it, folks, late 30s into 40s, more and more friends start to get divorced. And then you're finding your second career. I hate my job. We're going through it. So think about that life stress when you're in your session and somebody's like 45, 50, right? Like if I were to come to you without having training being my second career as a divorcee with two kids, remarried, second career, still, you know, trying to make ends meet, uh, how heavy do you think you would push me just based on that? Right. You know, it's hard to say. So it's all of those things coming into consideration. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, and that will be the end of my rant. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> oh, I know like so, somebody, the first time I taught an RKC, um, and I realized that the press was four reps instead of five. Historically, it always been five reps per side or five doubles. Okay. And I was like, oh, that seems really weird. And then I was like, you know what? That's fucking great. Because what does that last press mean? If you can, what is the purpose? Well, if you can clean the bell perfectly and you can demonstrate four perfect presses, what does rep five, six, seven, eight mean other than you're stronger in terms of training somebody? Folks, like get your ego out of it and think about what's going on. And that's one of the reasons why every time I teach an HKC one day kettlebell cert, I love it more and more because there's no weight requirement, you know, the plank test, which I thought, again, I thought all this stuff was ridiculous when they just made it a plank and not pull up. But it's like, just I'm just teaching education because that's what they're going to share with people. They don't need to share how strong they are. They need to share how well they can teach a get up. Share. That sounds weird when I say it that way. Share. Share. <laughs> so let, let's, Glenn, as someone, Glenn has gone through these categories and crushed them. SFG1, SFG2, PCC. Um, how did you find, let, let, let's break it down. How did you feel people were actually... Um, either modified or didn't modify, treated you same, different, going through certifications with the awareness. Plus, you don't look, I'm not saying you look, you're old, but you don't come across as in an attitude, appearance or anything, what we would think is 61. So I think a lot of people are shocked when they hear you're 61. Yeah. Um, did, um, well, I don't know. I don't know if they're shocked if they, when they hear I'm 61, because I just had somebody tell me the other day, um, and I, 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 I was, I was really like <laughs> weird about it. He said, "You know, you remind me of that, of that, that justice. What's her name?" And I thought, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> 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 and he said, "Yeah, that's the one. You know, the little old lady." And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so, <laughs> At least he didn't say like Doctor Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So I, I. I, I think I, I think I'm at the point where I do read older. I think I think the assumption is though, and I do think, and this is valid. If you show up at these things like an RKC two or an SFG two, um, you sh walking in the door, you should be you you showed up, so you you believe the the logical assumption is that you're able to do these things. I think from the co from the point of leadership at the at, at those events i think and if you if you show up and you can't i don't think that should be held against you but um i think the leadership in those in those circumstances is it's reasonable to believe that most people walking through the door are going to be able to do most of of what is expected of them to be done um the reality is i think when you age 
like, God forbid something happens to you, you know, the week before you're certain that this isn't even true about aging. This is, this is true for anybody who's going for these things. There's not much you can do about it. Um, on the day of that, sir. So I, I didn't feel like anybody, um, that's a very interesting question. I don't feel like anybody actually gave me a break for being old. <laughs> it's like a Kit Kat commercial. Give me a break. Give me a break. Except for, and I'm going to say this, and I, and I do kind of, I did kind of, I do kind of chuckle at the requirement, except for, you know, at the, your SFG2, you, you do a military press. One. And for some reason, um, that is now at one point it was 16 for your research. And I don't know what happened in there. You know, it was supposed to be one level above your, um, your snatch test weight. Um, and then they changed it. And so I, and I do remember everybody around me looking at like, why is this woman getting to be able to do the military press test? with the same weight that she just did five with. I, for, I remember that. <laughs> I remember there were some back and forth emails about and, that. And, and then there was that moment of like, oh, she's old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let, let's backtrack actually, when we talked about how we were training, say for that pr- press test and for those things. So um, folks, I will say this, there, there is a level of like, you know, how strong do we need to be? But I also think there's a level when we're proficient with stuff and we own it, that we need to push that envelope a little bit. And, yeah. and, and weight is one of the options to do it. It's not the only one. And, and, you know, that's one of the great things that DVRT has offered me, uh, is that, you know, I have plenty of options to challenge somebody without just making it heavier. But if you're owning, whether, you know, a 12 K or a 16 K kettlebell, like we want to push that up a little bit when, yes. when you're, uh, rate of perceived exertion of a seven out of a 10 is seven becomes a five. We need to go up. And I think that's the flip side with kettlebells is people tend to stay in their safe lane way too long, um, without pushing it. Cause like, you know, their, their swing bell, like literally gets defined as like, this is my size kettlebell for all forever. Right. (laughs) This is my bells for goblet squats. Um, and I think that's something that sometimes we fall too back on. Can I just say something? Because the the interesting, when we're talking about um, what you learn when you go to a cert, I think also, um, and I'm going to say it was the the RKC, I think um, I did with Josh and you. Mm -hmm. Um, It is amazing how mindset can change the experience. Because for some reason, I was so much more relaxed. Maybe it was because of you, because I, you know, you were there, and I know you, and I, and I feel comfortable around you. Um, and Josh is also one of those people who has a wonderful way of. Um, he's not scary. He's 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 a prince, right? He's just a prince of a guy. And I remember at that cert, um, and I remember you'd saying to me um, back away, it's like you know, at the cert, just worry about the weight that you have to push up. Don't try to get any PRs because remember you have to get through the whole weekend. And I remember at that cert, I. I I, I knew I was going to pass the cert. I, like I knew walking in the door that everything was going to be doable. And we were going over the press and people were getting, you know, you're at that point in the cert where everybody's like, yeah, let's pick up that next bell and like press that up. And I do remember because I was in that um, place where everything felt supportive and safe and, and I was in a learning environment, I can say that that cert for me, the 16K went up easy. 
that was my, my test weight was something way lower, but it was like, yeah, I really feel like good. And things went and it went up. And I think that when, and I, so I think that when we're training, sometimes we are so obsessed with the next weight, the next weight, the next weight. And the thing that may be holding people back is, um, you know, I mean, we've talked about this many times, but it's almost more of a mo- an emotional thing than um, an actual strength thing. Uh, I would fully agree with that. I, I know, I'll say a few things on that, right? Let's unpack that a little bit. So clearly knowing me, having trained with me, being friends with me and knowing Catalyst helps because you're not going into a strange gym. Exactly. You don't know where things are. You're actually familiar with the kettlebells. You're not worrying about like, how's this thing going to affect my hand? Right. Because, you know, at some of these certs, we show up and the, the handles, you know, the bells are like, it's like a fucking collection of garage sale. <laughs> they're rusty. Um, they're, yeah. yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. And so there is that, but it's also, I'll say this, and it's one of the things I've learned from, I've been very fortunate to assist and teach with a lot of great people. And Josh is one of them. And Josh was in a back brace. Remember Josh had just had back surgery, two back surgeries, like two weeks prior to this, um, is the old days of the RKC were run largely by fear and intimidation to the, the reasoning was to kind of demand respect, to pay attention, get back on time and create a general vibe. Like that was the culture. And I think you can create an even more positive, respectful situation without that and just treat people better. And I think that's one of the greatest things that I think the RKC has changed uh, since the split is we shed all that um, where, you know, I, I just want you to learn. I'm not a better coach than you. I might be, I'm likely better at kettlebells or have something extra to share in kettlebells in this room at this moment. But like, I don't know Olympic lifting, like you might, that's your thing. We're just two different coaches. Right now we're going to share knowledge here um, and create a fun environment, but a respectful environment. Cause you've heard it. Like every now and then I have to raise my voice or like get people onto task and I'm not afraid to do it, but I don't need to like create like a false militaristic standpoint. I've never been in the military. I've never been a first responder. I'd be completely false if I tried to do that. And I find it, you know, disrespectful if I put on the fake air of that for myself. And I think I got caught up a little bit, you know, in like the hiking pants and tucked in shirt because that was what we did. Um, and I still wear like, you know, the pants that I just don't tuck in the shirt. And <laughs> But I, I just want to like, I want people to learn, right? So, it, you know, when people think of like school experiences, how many people love their Catholic school experience when you hear about stern Catholic school experience. Very few. You know, I haven't, I, I, I don't know if I've ever heard somebody who said like, I loved going to Catholic school. Right. But people will remember like the really, and I don't mean just like fun teacher, but the teacher that actually related to them on a, a more of a peer level, but was still an authoritarian, you know, authority figure, I should say, not authoritarian, authority right. figure. Like I'll say Mr. Henson in my social studies teacher could, could, could get that room to shut up but would also tell jokes. He was like a bald guy before, you know, and at the time I still had hair, but he would tell you also like life lessons and you love the guy for it. And I just feel like that's the experience because like how much of that are you going to retain while you're in high school? How much of that are you going to retain on like 17 drills we go over on a kettlebell snatch? You're going to remember a few of them, but you're going to remember the whole weekend. Right. And I'd rather that be viewed as a positive thing where fear isn't a limiting factor and like, wow, I'm feeling great about this stuff. This isn't as scary as I thought it would be. Actually, I'm learning a lot. My swing got better. Oh, you know what? I'm going to try that press. Right. Because like, what? you know, so again, it's, uh, I love how we as an organization have grown since then. 
and you know, Josh is a great example of it. I'm very fortunate that Josh is, I mean, I can't say he's gotten better with time. He, he's always been like that. Yeah. You can approach him. He's very clear. He's very humble. He can back up anything better than anybody I've ever spoken to. Um, I don't think if you if you haven't had a chance to talk to Josh Hankin or ask him questions, he's not just a sandbag guy, folks, or a kettlebell guy. Like he can back up knowledge on everything yeah. within the world of fitness. He's just got that that brain, that level of experience. He's got that science mindset, um, much like a million times brighter than me. Um, I mean, a million times. No, no, Steve. I mean, you. I mean, I'm good at like a few things. I mean, and I'm cool with that. You're very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm cool with that. Like I I definitely, I, I, you know, one of the things that's changed, let's, let's unpack this a little further. Right. So like a lot of people we'd expect is leadership. You mentioned it. Leadership would expect somebody coming to assert to be prepared. Well, guess what? That doesn't happen the same way. Part of the new thing is, is people want to keep taking like a ton of certs. So I know I get a lot of people that like come, you know, don't pass their press or something during the course and you know, they don't want to necessarily program. They just want me to queue up their technique or give them some ideas. It's because they have trainer, you know, ADD, they're all over the place because they've just taken 10 courses in the last, you know, seven months and three of them are still pending to pass and they have all these things. And I've just never been that guy. I mean, I took a handful of stuff my first year or a bunch of stuff, but then I just try to get better at it. So if you look at my first courses like DVRT continued to assist, eventually got to teach. Indian clubs continue to exist so I could get better at it, stay sharp at it, original strength, continue to assist, kettlebells continue to assist. You know, um, FMS, like I don't use it at much, but my awareness of it is still sharp because it's like a dialogue I have with people all the time versus a million different things. And of course, and and Glenn and I were on a strength faction Q&A that I was running last night. And, you know, we're all realizing too, you know what, like the actual exercise part's the easy part. It's the psychological stuff that we're dealing with on the day to day. That's the hard part. And that's where I've been investing more of my time in the last two, three, actually, I guess almost four years since at MFF is more on like the psychological side, not just for the people I train, but of of myself. Um, (laughs) Glenna, do you want to, so let's talk about certs and failing things for a moment. Um, (laughs) <laughs> do, do you regret the advice you gave me at the PCC? <laughs> I don't blame you for it. What was the What was the advice I gave you? Do, do you remember when I was like, "You think I should go for it again?" Oh, <laughs> yes, I do regret it. You shouldn't. So, yes. everybody. So, here's something I never expected would happen. Right. So, as Coach Fury, especially in New York, it's not that I'm famous in any way, but like, there's an awareness, especially in the kettlebell field in Dragondor, of like, okay, that's Coach Fury. And I, Glenn and I trained for the PCC together, uh, Danny Cavallo and Al are, and, and Grace and like super great friends. And we had this great time taking it. And Glenna had seen me pass the century test. And I tried to be so perfect on one thing that I, I gassed out and couldn't finish the last, my, like literally the last three inches on my last chin up. <laughs> and I knew it. Like, I'm very good at being like, this is where I went wrong. I was too rigid here. I was on the bar too long. I gassed out. So I'm like, all right, we're going to do it again. And Al Kabbalah. But like, you had to do the whole century test. The whole century thing again. <laughs> and Al came over and was like, nah, you should just rest and wait. Wait another day. in the video. And I'm like, you know, Glenn, I, my power of belief is such. And I'm like, I know what I did. I could just do it. I'm like, hey, Glenn, do you think I should do it? And she's like, yeah. And of course, like, Adrian comes over and I'm on my fourth chin up. Like, again, six reps away from finishing this thing. And I tore a muscle in my forearm and fell off the bar. 
<laughs> and it was powerful too. It was like one of those moments of like, holy shit, what just happened? Yeah, because <laughs> I, I was crushing it. Like I know my, my game plan was working, but my body was fatigued from three, like it's one of those random things. My body was fatigued from three days of calisthenics training, trying things in a super fun way. I really, really love that course. That's not a Dragon Door sales marketing thing. I just, I, I love the way it's laid out and uh, I love the way those guys present. And that took me a long time to recover from that injury. Like it, it was a nagging thing for probably oh. six to eight months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, don't have guilt over it. I just, want, I forgot I felt, about that. No, I felt like, oh my God. Like, and actually that's a very powerful lesson also that what, like, what is the value at that point? None. It was purely no. ego. It's a minus, like, you know, right. There's, you got, right. You got no benefit from doing any There's of that. And the whole purely. weekend would have been fantastic. I mean, yeah. you would have, you would have been frustrated, but the whole weekend would have been, you know what I mean? That much better without that. Like I would, I would have gotten two days sleep. I would have banged it out the next morning, you right. know, in, in two days time and, and be done. But it was a lesson learned. So when I tell people when they come in and I'm like, if you're not confident with the snatch test and I don't mean like iffy, I mean, some people are like, well, I've only done 80. Well, if you've only done 80 reps in your training, guess what? Good luck getting 20 on game day. I yeah. just it's it happens. I, don't don't comment, folks. That like yeah, it happens. It doesn't happen often, and it's a very nerve wracking experience. Right, I can so, honestly say that. Yeah, I agree with you. If you've never done a hundred, then don't expect to do a hundred at the test. Like, yeah, I, I try to get everybody to do a snatch test at least three weeks beforehand, and then not try it again. Just work their skill so that they're really fresh, but they know mentally they have it. It's nice to know an awareness of where the dark places of your brain goes when you have that. Although like you're like you're there are certain people like yourself that something like a snatch test it's easier. And that might be like your cycling background, people that have a running background. I do more endurance sports, right? Yeah, yeah. where that becomes actually more fun whereas other people it's like a constant like ugh. Right. How's um, this going to go? Yeah. Well, let's but go I, I mean, go, go finish up. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you, you off. Got. Well, I was going to say, let's switch off of taking courses. Let's talk about, you know, so again, I don't want to harp on your age, but you've got two things going on yet. <laughs> Sorry, I sound, like, I sound like an asshole. Like, I don't want to talk about your age, but you're old. <laughs> uh, is, and, and I say this in a way that people in there, as, as fitness people and trainers and coaches try to define, define their niche, they yeah. like, you're there, people will claim you who are in their 20s and even in their 40s claim you as like their... That's who I am trying to train. Where do you think they're missing the boat since they can't actually know what it's like to be in your shoes? Say that again. So, so, so as say, say like, you know, right now everybody tries to claim their market, right? Well, okay. Uh, for, as a marketing angle, as a business focus. So I'm a 25 to 28 year old, or even like a 38 to 41 year old coach. And I'm like, you know what my market is? I train people in their fifties and up, mm. where do you think that they might be missing the boat on that? Because they don't have yet the, the physical awareness of, of the impact of age. And I don't mean like, you know, folks, I, I don't, I think a lot of people overthink feeling your age. There's yeah. definite factors that come into place. Uh, Die Mighty is all about defying those factors, but there are factors. Um, but where do you think they might be missing the boat? I, I think, I think the missing the boat is, is probably in that, um, that resilience factor, right? So understanding that your client um, probably needs a little more recovery than, than you may think that they do. 
Um, and I'm not talking about even after a maximal effort, right? Uh, I'm talking about, so they, from session to session, I think, you know, if you're seeing somebody uh, two times a week and you, you train them hard both days, right? I, I think that you have to have some sort of understanding that if I see you Tuesday and I see you Thursday and you're, let's say, a 55-year-old female who's a little overweight, that if I go hard with you on Tuesday, that Thursday workout is going to have to spend a little, maybe a little bit more time on mobility, a little more time on you know, refining technique, because the recovery time may not be, you know what I mean? They, they may be physically, and I don't even mean for that movement pattern, they may be literally physically tired from the workout that you did with them on Tuesday. Um, they, they also keep in mind that that age group, I think, and this is important to understand, people in their 50s, um, while they may seem, you know, if they're using a trainer, there's a good chance that they have some, some money. But they have a lot, you know, it, most people in their 50s these days have kid in co- kids in college. They're wondering how they're going to pay for that. They are in jobs now where they may be feeling like they might be looking at a little certain kind of obsolescence where they're stressed out at work in a way that young people have their whole career before them. Um, these days when you're 55, a lot of times that 55-year-old is the oldest person in the room at work Yeah, very often or, I mean you know, they, they, or they may not even feel like they they can sustain their job anymore. So I think with that client, it's important to understand that there are so many stressors that are so different than um, just the physical ones that they may be just tired. And I mean, not tired, physically tired when they walk in the door, when they see you. So I always feel like give them that chance to sort of it's going to be a longer work. It's going to be a longer warm up than somebody else. Um, and I think it's going to be, and I think that's a hard thing to kind of grasp. I think just understand that that person maybe needs a little bit more time. Um, and I don't mean that they move slowly because they probably don't, but I mean, they need time, you know, those recovery times should probably be a little bit more, honored and like again and I don't mean that's not the point where you're standing around between sets wondering what you're doing next I mean the programming should allow for you know something a little bit more less intense periodically because I think that there is that 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 um the the, the stresses are very different on the body at, at that age I also think with your older clients um they they're going to be your best. They're going to be the most consistent people that you have. Um, Cause they can, so I think as, as, as a trainer, as long as you can show them the value in what they're doing and they get that, that sense that they are improving on some level that they're maybe, maybe they're not necessarily getting a huge amount stronger, but they're definitely moving better. Um, and they, and they, you know, that feeling of, gosh, I'm getting off the floor easier. I'm, you know, uh, I ran up the stairs uh, out of the subway, you know, more, or, or actually for older people, sometimes it's going down the stairs is like the thing that hurts the most. Um, that didn't feel so bad. I, you know, I felt like I could skip down the stairs. Uh, those are the kinds of things that they're going to take note of. And I think if you can give them, you know, that instead of, 
because every once in a while you do get that client who'll come walk in the door and say, you know, when I was 25, my bench press was, you know, 250. I want to get back to that. And the, a lot of times my answer is, well, I don't know if we're going to get back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get back to that. But what I'd like to think is let's get you, let's get you stronger than you are. And then we can work at, you know, your bench press. I, you know, I love how you worded that. Let's get you stronger than you are. And that just leads to like, let's see how strong we can get you. Right. You know, right. down the line, because I, I think it's true. There's different levels of buy in when people are younger, you know, when people start getting, you know, trying to get fit and they make that switch. It's usually appearance based and less yeah. about how we're feeling unless yeah. there's like an illness side of it. But as people get older, um, even in the 40s, you start to feel this because people at, at, by the time you're hitting your late 30s, 40s, if you've had a desk job, you're really feeling the wear of decades on the desk. But the the walking is easier. The going downstairs and upstairs is easier. The getting off the couch, right? The rolling yeah. out of bed, the tying your shoes. Yeah. We forget in the exercise selection land and, and maximal loading land that that's a bigger takeaway. And sure, like inches off the waist are great. But if you're somebody that struggled to get out of a chair, you're, you're going to be better served getting out of the chair better. And then like, you know, again, all that stuff starts to motivate and feed the machine to come back in. And then all those weight loss goals start happening anyway. They um, do. I, yeah. I think I, I, I've had a, um, a wonderful experience with a client and I, I just, I, I, she had bilateral knee replacements and her biggest thing was I can't get off the floor. Mm. I, I, and now, so you as that younger trainer, you know, that is, that is a major issue for someone. I mean, that, that, that client walks in, they are anxious. Um, they live in a fear that one day they're going to have a fall and they're going to be trapped. Uh, so I think the thing to remember is if that client wants to get off the floor, that's, that's, that's her goal, getting, getting up and down. It, I think it's, it, it's up, you know, so you may have this wonderful idea. I'm going to make them stronger. I'm going to help her lose weight. I'm going to do all those things and helping her lose weight, by the way, would help her get off the floor. Yes. Sure. Um, so you have to have that discussion with her as well. But I think that the, the thing to remember is that's your job. Then let's figure out how to get, you know, Betty off the floor you know, whatever it takes. And you have to find ways that she's going to be successful because she's already very, very anxious, you know, when she's walked in the door. So you have to, and that may mean piling up crap all around her. So she has something she can press off of because she doesn't feel comfortable pulling. Um, you, 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 you're good. That is your job. And, um, Remembering that taking her over to the leg extension machine is probably the last thing that, that Betty needs <laughs> um, to get off the floor. So, you know, you know, because there's this sense of, well, we're going to train all these muscles. Um, no, you're going to have to work on that really very functional movement. You're going to have to figure out how to break that movement down so that she sees that you understand that. Um, because just making her legs stronger, to be really honest, is not going to get her off the floor. She needs to have, you know, however many props it takes for, for you to be able to do it, she needs to be able to figure that out. And, that, and you're going to see a light bulb go off in that woman's face. It's like, oh, I can't get off the floor. It's finding a way to get her stronger within the context of the goal as opposed to just the, the context of getting better at an exercise or stronger at a, at a weight. 
right away or 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 even that we do because sometimes i think we do have this notion of well we'll strengthen all these muscles and it'll just naturally happen um it doesn't it doesn't i i it, it really you really have to go into the mode of gosh what is it like to not be able to get up off the floor like because keep in mind proprioceptively part that and that's partly what's going on is they don't know how to contract those muscles in the context of getting up off the floor on the leg extension. They may be fine. On the leg extension, they may be fine. There's that OS element, original strength element of like the vestibular system, like reflexively their body is not reacting to the thought process of this is get off the floor. Suddenly it's not just a a subconscious action. It's, it's like it becomes a cognitive thought process of like, what do I need to do to get off the floor? Like I need to just get off the floor. And folks, like that might seem like it, you'd be shocked at how quickly some people will, will I should say quickly, it doesn't happen overnight, but lose that ability to just literally think, okay, I'm on the floor now. How do I get up? As opposed to most of us, just find a, a way without much thought to get back up. We just get back up. And to be able to rebuild that from an inside out process over just a deadlift. Because the flip side of this is you might have somebody that's like, you know, super strong on the big three, not heavily coordinated. Right, yeah. so like a bench press, a squat, and a deadlift. You know, if we're going heavy on the barbell, there's certain maximal strength, lots of tension, lots of technique to it. But in sure. terms of like flipping on your back and doing a dead bug, and being able to coordinate, you know, opposite arm and arms opposite legs. limbs, like, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate that well. Being able to walk proficiently, smoothly, or skip. So there's all these gamuts. I mean, I like to think of all three. And, and with that, I wanted to. Something that I, I wrote a post about it, and I think this is interesting because we're going to be able to cover a bunch of categories. So, uh, hey, Glenda, you also happen to be a, a, a woman trainer. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, lately there seems to be a lot of things about, you know, uh, women-specific certifications. Women have all these special needs for training. And to some degree, I think it's great. And to some degree, I think it's like a, it, it's a, it's a back step. Like we're actually starting to make it like, uh, again, like overly precious. Um, if we take that, we're all approaching the people, man or female, whatever, trans, whatever, we're, we're, we're posting, we're, we're pre, uh, approaching everybody with respect, right? Right. Um, that there has to be this other thing involved with it. And, you know, I know for me, whether I'm training someone older, male, female, whatever, my exercise selection uh, in terms of the base elements, like, you know, hinge, squat, push, pull are all going to be the same. It's just the version that's right for them based on their, their, their health, their injury history, you know, um, you know, their mobility right? and what their goals are, right? So if we take those four things as a baseline, I might be missing some, but we take those four things now, like male or female, you might have a different health or injury history. Um, you know, health meaning hormonal stuff as well. Cause now that I, you know, I'm, I'm more aware now with my whole thyroid thing about hormones, like, um, where do you think people try to overcomplicate or sell women short when they're training women in a specific fashion? Well, I think, I think it happens in a bunch of ways. I, and I think partly it's, we as women also just have this mindset that we're not as strong as men. The reality is we are not. Um, we have smaller bodies. We have smaller muscles. We are not as strong as men, mostly. Um, because believe me, I know some women who are a lot stronger than many, many men. Um, but that 
that it's, it's an interesting concept because I think partly for women, it is sort of compensating for the, figuring out a way to compensate for the emotional um, sense that I'm not strong. I, uh, and, and I'm going to come back to this because gosh, I can't believe I still hear this in the year 2018. I don't want to get bulky. Like I still hear that. I just like, it's, it's unbelievable to me that at this point, women still have this notion that somehow they're going to wind up looking like a bodybuilder, um, which I would think would not be such a bad thing. Um, but you know, what I mean? <laughs> like that they're, that somehow they're going to get bulked up. Um, you know, I always, I, I think the differences between men and women are a lot of times women are probably a little bit more cautious um, in the gym um, for whatever reasons than, than men are in terms of, you know, going up in weight. I, I, I do. I, I do think that. Um, it's funny. I, I, I think I heard, I think Dan John was saying it, you know, guys come into the gym and um, they're, they're just going to go crazy on, on biceps and triceps. They, they, like you can't stop those guys from doing that. <laughs> um, and I'm, and I think that for women, that's never the issue, right? It's, um, it's more of, you know, you know, you could probably go a little heavier. You know, I think that, I think that, that, that sometimes is, is a factor. I also think for women, um, I do think hormonally, um, for, you know, women who are, who are still, uh, uh, at that stage in life where they are, they are, they do have, you know, these, these monthly swings, there's, there's just no way around it. I do think that it does impact them. Um, I, I know elite athletes, I mean, would say that they, you know, they have to work around that. Um, but I think for the, you know, for, for general population females, I, I think it is a factor. I mean, I, I, sometimes I, sometimes I, I've had clients who've walked in the door who, um, you know, I have to tell, I have to ask, like, are you getting your period? Like, because I can see that something is off. Yeah. There's something not quite, quite on. And I think, so in that regard, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. Um, sometimes it's easier for a woman to tell another woman. Yeah. I, I just got my period or, you know, you don't want to, you don't, you don't necessarily. And then I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that's changing. I'm hoping that that's women are now at a point where we accept that men know that we get, you know, periods. I, I, I think, you know, let, let, let's be honest. Like part of that is um, I, I really, I love what you're saying about all this because most of them, the, the reality of is most of it is approach and being able to modify on the fly based on that. Like, so if someone's yeah. within her cycle, you know, we might have to like modify a couple of exercises. Certainly intensity becomes a thing if there's overall fatigue issues, but like, you know, we can still deadlift. It's just like how heavy we're going to go right. a high volume day, or, you know, how much rest, like those types of things. But the, the, the thing to shine here is like, it's being made more to be like exercise selection and something. Sorry. Is that your phone? I'm sorry. I meant to turn that off. I thought about That's it. That's an adorable ring. Sorry. Um, that's all good. But, you know, I, I feel like it's being elevated to be more than 
the approach, the accommodating approach to that versus like it's a bigger thing versus exercise selection. So, I mean, how different, how different, right? How, yeah, it's like the same thing. Body. So if, if yeah. someone 65 yeah. comes in with me, somebody 30 comes in with me, somebody 20 comes in with me, uh, if a male comes in and a female come in and all these different age categories, like guess what we're all going to do? We're going to do some form of a dead, a, a deadlift. All right. Okay. Some I know, form I agree of with squat. You. And it's, it's not going to be like, here's the lady squat and here's the dude yeah. squat. It's going to be like, what's the right squat for the person for now? The, the, the gender different stuff does come in about, you know, like, yeah. So there, there are definitely, um, for most, if we, you know, get okay, everybody, like there are definitely women that are stronger than men, men that are stronger than women, but like overall, like I'm going to probably be, I'm going to be just as cautious actually now, if I think about it in terms of what's the right load, Sometimes there is that thing, not with all the time, because I think this is changing, is, you know, like, do we have to sort of mentally prep that, like, heavy isn't scary or heavy-ish isn't scary? Sometimes you still do, but I think that happens with with guys as well. Um, But it really is more about, like, how do we approach and discuss it and coach it, not even coach it in terms of, like, actually technique, versus, like, trying to make it into something bigger, like, here's a woman's program. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with you. I, is a woman's program going to be radically different from a man's program? I, I, I hope it's not. I mean... Tabotic Eagles. There you go, folks. Run with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's all right. And I'm going to say the pregnant postpartum thing is, is a real... Hey, you got another robot thing happening over there. Not me. That's not you? No, my phone is off. I don't know what that is. Wow. Hold on. I got it. It was me. Sorry. Tag your it. <laughs> That's not cool. Um, anyway, you were saying. No, I'm, I'm going to say the, the, the whole pregnant postpartum thing, I mean, obviously is something that is very special and very different and in, in its own right. Like, I Absolutely. mean, that, that, that is what it is. Um, and if you're going to train those clients, like, cause I've, I've, I've had uh, actual men, male um, colleagues in a place that I've worked at say, so what's the big woof? What's the difference? Um, you know, like, why don't, why don't, like the pregnant woman, her doctor says she can work out just fine. It's like, yeah, it, it, but when a woman's pregnant, the, things are different, but yes, by and large for, you know, somebody who's not pregnant and not, you know, like nine months postpartum, is there any and is there anything consideration that would be radically different? I think um, probably only in, you know, like I said, and this all comes back to we're back in the same place again. Emotionally, there are different, there are different things going on. Uh, so we keep coming back to that because that's where mm-hmm. it is. Because I usually like to say to um, most of my clients, it's, it's not, um, I can't make you stronger, right? This, right? You have to make you stronger. Um, I can, I give you the recipe, you do the cooking, you know, all these little cliches that I kind of wind up with, um, because that's the reality. We, we need compliance from a client. I think it doesn't matter whether they're male or female. Um, I, like I said, the, the, the difference is physiologically, I, they're, you know, the quadricep is four muscles on men and women. Last time I checked. <laughs> um, you know, like 
the, the, the muscles that we, the, it, by and large, the body is, is not so radically different that I think that it requires a lot of you know, considerations in terms of actual training. I think the approach sometimes has to be different. Yeah. And I'd agree with that. I just, I, I feel like it's becoming a marketing angle that sometimes, uh, sometimes starts with the good intent of empowerment, but in some ways I think ends up on a fear-based money grab. Um, whether that's intentional or not, I think it's just like, you know, uh, uh, another thing to be like, you're going to lose all your, 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 your women clients. If you don't oh. this, Gosh, like, I hope not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. Like I've never had to give it an, if, if anything, I think, you know, uh, often the majority of my clientele, my, my, the Fury crew tend to be women. I'd say it's, it varies between like 60, 40, 50, 50. And I think if anything, the women that train with me probably enjoy it that I don't treat them differently. Yeah. And if you look at these training programs, super similar, tailored yeah. to their goals based on their injury history, you know, based on that. But like the modification, say if someone's in their cycle, it's going to be more of an intensity based thing and an exactly. type of thing than like wiping the slate clean for like, you know, here's your period workout, you know, like, no. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. like switch to like, here's session A, session B, week four period workouts. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. Basically it comes down to the approach. Like, like yeah. can, can, you know, is, is your client comfortable, you know, telling you stuff like that? Like, is your client comfortable telling you, you know, she missed her period is your client, you know what I mean? So she might be pregnant. She might not be. Um, th those are things that, you know, you as a trainer, we, as a trainer, we, I think we, we, we want to know, but you know, a lot of times the, the reality is you're, you mean, they also may, they may not tell, they may not tell a female trainer. They may not think it's important. They may not think it matters. Um, I, I, I'm always amazed and, and I'm sure this has happened with you. This, and this is going across the board. This, this, you know, you give a client a park queue, right? And you ask them all these questions and they fill in all their answers. Uh, and usually they, the things that are the red flags are the things that they put down on that thing that are bothering them at the moment when they filled in the park queue. You know, like I had a, you know, I, I had a knee replacement and the knee is still bothering them. I've had clients who've had, and I, and I don't know why this happened so much with, with this one issue, but I've had clients who've had strokes who don't put it down on the park queue. <laughs> I, and I'm going to say more than one. More than one, because they don't feel in their daily life that they're in any way limited by this thing that happened to them. And you know what? They may not be. They may not be. But I, as a trainer, would have appreciated knowing it. And the weird thing is, somehow it does wind up usually getting revealed. There's some like weird glitchy thing on a movement, and the guy will look at me and say, oh, I wonder if it's because of that stroke I had. <laughs> but how many people don't count uh, something as relatively simple as a sprained ankle as an injury thing, and then they wonder why they're limited on their lunge or their yeah. You know, and I, it, that happens all the time. It's like, oh, so you were, you know, myself included. Oh, you were a skateboarder? How many times did you sprain your ankle? Yeah, that might be why you don't have a lot of ankle mobility right now. But so that's what I'm saying. So if we're going to take that back to the whole gender thing or, or, or age thing, because, right, these are all things that are, are in your general population clientele. You're going to have some oldsters. You're going to have some youngsters. You're going to have, you know what I mean? Youngsters is considered a, a special population as far as I'm concerned. I, I you know... I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Kids are kids are 
very tricky, especially if you're coming in as a coaching mind, like I, the few times that I've dealt with young kids in, t- in their teens, yeah. when you're looking at it as a technique based things in our wheelhouse versus like, they just often don't have the faculty just yet to actually or- orchestrate pretty simple things with control because they're That's all over the right. place. So I think, I mean, so if we're going to take this into like, do we need to have, um, I know youngsters are considered a special population. I know older people are considered, you know, by by some people as a special population. But the reality is all your clients, and I know this is going to sound cliche, all your clients are special. Um, But but they are because they walk in the door with whatever baggage, injuries, go down the list of things that go on. And the reality is, as far as the actual training is concerned, I think we still come back to the the hinge, the push, the pull, you know, the squat. So again, if that special population, if there's something about unique about that special population, other than it's not probably going to be in that way, right? It's not going to, it's not going to be, can, yes, an oldster probably isn't going to have a deep squat, right? But they're going to do a sit to stand. Exactly. As far as I'm concerned, it's still a squat. A step up, as far as I'm concerned, is still a squat. Um, so, I mean, all right, so it's not a squat. It's a lower body push or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. They ha- I mean, they're going to they're gonna be doing some form of it. So, I, yes, I think if we get very specific and, you know, if we start lining up these things as having special requirements, um, you're going to get into this whole thing of, do I really need a niche? Like, do I really want to have, like, do I want to have a niche? And I'm going to say, I personally never felt that I had a niche. I, you know what I mean? Like, yes, a large, a large amount of my clients were, you know, are, are women, you know, I guess, you know, 35 to to 55. That's a large amount of everybody's clients. Yeah. I I think, you know, you start to draw, uh, you know, if I look at the Fury crew over the time and even the people from MFF that were more drawn to take classes with me, um, you know, I definitely, there's a, there's a personality, like the difference is not my training style necessarily. It's, it's my personality, right? It's, 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 that's the differentiation point uh, there. I think, you know, in terms of going for a niche, I think, you know, look, if you own a facility and you want to focus on you know, more of an, uh, an older population, that makes total sense. If you wanted to go in a younger population, I think that makes total sense. Like, you know, uh, uh, martial, just, just like saying like, we're a martial arts gym or, right, or a baseball or, gym. Right. Yeah. You know, like that, that I, I totally get. I think sometimes that pressure is being put on us as, as coaches to try to define that where maybe we don't need to do that yet. Like, you know, again, like, you know, talking with, when you hear about Cressy, you know, Pete Dupuy will say like, they didn't necessarily, they didn't open Cressy to be the baseball thing. It evolved out of their culture. Right. That's who came walking in their door. Yeah. And makes total sense. Whereas sometimes I just think we're looking for an angle and in, you know, in this constant quest for authenticity, I think it's like, you know, it's hard to try to make an angle that just based on it, just seeming financially viable versus a a, a group of people that you really want to train. And I know I struggle with that because people I'm part of this marketing group and, you know, called BNI business networking international. And, you know, we give a little commercial and they're like, what's, you know, I know who my avatar is, but when they're like, who would you like to meet in your room? I'm like, well, I can help anybody. I just yeah. don't want any assholes in my room. Yeah. You know, like I, quite frankly, like, you know, if someone's pretty cool and, and gets along well with others, 
They don't have to love the gym, like, but I'll, I can work with that. And I can work with difficult people. It's one of the reasons why I succeeded in advertising was I was pretty good at getting along with difficult people. Um, but if I just said like, hey, I only want to work with this. Like if I said like, I only want to work with Star Wars fans, but I hated Star Wars. Like, you know, it's the same yeah, idea. Being like, I want to be the booty guy. But like, am I really interested in just trying to like maximize booty results on people? Like I just no. can't but, I mean, that's what... I mean, it may, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if it happened, I do think if it happens more or less organically, like, absolutely, um, you know, like that's then, 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 and I'm going to say, and that may or may not be a good thing because then in, to a certain degree, then you're stuck with that too. I, I, I always think that one of the things I've always loved about training is that everything is different. Yeah. Everything is different. Every, every, every session is different. You know, and it's and it's weird because we keep on saying, well, we do the same things, you know, lower body push, hinge, push, pull. But it it's because the people are different. Yeah. That every session is different. And I'm and I and I know it sounds cliche, but I, I don't think I could do it any other way. Like, you know what I mean? Like I I I always feel like I am lucky that I get to do what I do. I consider myself very lucky and I always, and I think, it, I think the, the thing that's most important for me is that that client, when they walk in that door, whether they're a youngster, an oldster, a woman, a gorilla, um, that this becomes their time for them and that they, you know, and again, whatever baggage they walk in with, I do feel obligated that we're going to do some strength training. You know what I mean? Like, like at some point we are, you know, like you can tell me about your kids, you know, uh, graduation last week, but we're still going to do some, we're going to do some training, but that it is their time for them. And that, and, and I am there to sort of in, enhance that experience in the best way that I possibly can, you know, and, and again, because you hired me as your trainer, that's the deal that we had when you, when, when you walked in the door, like it or not, you know, and I, and I, with some people you have to kind of really kind of, you know, like sort of, weasel it in there because they will they will walk in and I, again you know they, they they may hate exercise and that and, and that's the thing that's all right you know that's I mean? okay like, they don't and i used to even say to people you don't have to like this we just have to do it we just know? have to do it right? yeah. you don't have to like it and okay. and that and that is, that is sort of critical and so because knowing that they don't like it um kind of you know is is your job as a trainer is yeah, to figure and, out the way to make it like, again, you don't have to make them like it, but you have to find a way to, to have them do it and not feel that it was like, you know, some sort of horrible, terrible experience. And I always think, that, just to come back to me for one second, because my clients always say, well, you know, it's easy for you because you like to exercise. You, you know, you think, you think this is fun. And I usually, and this is where I feel like I have an advantage over other trainers. It's like, I'm not sure I really do like to exercise. Um, I like what exercise does. I like what strength training does. I, you know what I mean? I, I like the end result. I, I'm, I'm still not, you know, when I'm walking in there and I'm doing, uh, like, for, let's take it back to strength faction. Um, the Wednesday, the, the, uh, the C workout where there's like a lot of squatting, like the whole, it's like, you know, I, I kind of really hate squats. <laughs> I'm not bad at squats. I just don't, it's like, like, you know, I would much rather deadlift than squat. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, so obviously I'm not really necessarily enjoying the squats on that day, but it's like, you know, I'm taking my medicine. Um, and it's very, it's very true. It's like, 
I'll say like, if, you know, if we go to use strength faction as a pool, I think a lot of us, one of the things you'll find out folks like and trainers that are listening, and most of us can relate, like the hardest thing for a trainer actually tends to be finding our own training time because we're giving it all our schedules are all over the place. Yeah. And then to find that time, like that accountability, I know I have struggled with it. I'll also say I'm somebody that used to love working out and the pressures of becoming a professional and trying to create content and shoot videos. Really, I, I've had to re- redefine my relationship when I s- set myself up to lift that I, it's like, I, I need to go back to that place of, of release and joy without overthinking, yeah. oh, this would be a good video or, oh my gosh, this session's coming up or I got to do this program or this might be good in that person's program and, and just really try to reattach. So it, it's, you know, it, it's just like when people say like, oh, I, I, for celebrities or whatever, oh, I, I would be I would look that good if I was getting dollars. Like, you know what? That's actually really fucking hard and disrespectful folks that are training their asses off and watching every, you know, macro calorie that's going into their body and all the money that they're investing in themselves or studios are investing in to do it. It's not easy because like, let's face it. If you think you want a burger, imagine you had to have nothing but fucking chicken and broccoli for like six (laughs) two a days plus jujitsu training and gun training to be like, you know, it's, you know, it's discipline all of this stuff becomes discipline and we all have our final elements where we're good at certain areas of discipline. And then we realize where we're bad at certain discipline right. and being bad at discipline. I know for myself often, as I'm coming to realize deals with just my emotions uh, will override my, my understanding that I need to be more disciplined in certain things, but Holy shit. We've been talking for a while, Glenna, and I got to get ready to uh, take care of a couple things and go see Solo with the kids. They're going to have to pick them up from school in a little while. Um, (laughs) So, hey, uh, where can people find you, follow you? Uh, You know, at the moment, I'm in I'm in Portland, Maine. Uh, You can email me at G underscore Lampner at Hotmail dot com. and I am open for business. I work out of uh, Foresight Fitness in Tennis in Falmouth, Maine, and a place, and I'm sorry, Chris Merritt, um, a place called Beyond Strength, <laughs> <laughs> also in Falmouth, Maine. All right, cool. Hey, Glenna, can you tell uh, the listeners to die mighty? Of course I can. Die mighty. Glenna, you're awesome. I'm so glad. I, I miss seeing you in person. I mean, I know this is close, but I miss our training sessions and our hang time together. Uh, I haven't said this in the beginning of it, folks, but just Glenna was, has been uh, a very needed, important person in my life, a sounding board, uh, a peer. Uh, I know she says, you know, she hired me as the coach, but we had a lot of great mutual discussions just in terms of handling our business in the industry. And it's been so proud to not only see you pass things that I was teaching, but go through things with you that you pass. Um, I love you, Glenna. I love you too, Steve. All right, everybody. Have an awesome week. Uh, Subscribe. Just have fun. (laughs) I'm going to keep it simple, everybody. Uh, Have a great week. We'll see you at the next episode. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.NYC for band, music, tour, and merch information. Artwork provided by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or visit him on Instagram at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everybody.